please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Everybody, you're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio, and as this is our first show of 2016, uh, I want to welcome everybody to to our listening audience yet again, and to take a, a, a little different tact because after this show, we're going to start to get in detail with the legislative session that's coming up, and that's going to loom large. But until we get to the legislative session, I really want to take a few minutes to talk about reciprocity, and I kind of hinted at this last week because I think that there are some big things coming with reciprocity and some big changes happening, and, and I really want to discuss it, especially... Well, this is always a concern to us, because, you know, you go to visit relatives in another state, and you say, hey, is my license, weapons care license, good in that state? And a lot of the times, the answer is no. Unfortunately, South Carolina has no reciprocity. At all. At all, and... Virginia apparently has done away with their reciprocity. And that's something that I really want to, to look at in depth because this is a, a big story that I think is getting overlooked. Um, the Washington Post uh, back on, shoot, trying to find the dateline, December 22nd posted a story that out of Richmond, Attorney General Mark Herring, Democrat, announced Tuesday that Virginia will no longer recognize concealed carry handgun permits from 25 states that have reciprocity agreements with the Commonwealth. Now, this is a big deal because Georgia recognizes every state that recognizes us. So that so means that people from Virginia can't carry in Georgia any longer either. We, we no longer recognize a Virginia permit. If you come here from Virginia, you are now out of luck because of your Attorney General. And this this is a kind of a big deal because it's not something that was passed by their legislature. This is just, uh, shall we say, an executive order that is overturning their right to carry in Georgia and our right to carry there on our permits. I think that somebody should do something about that. Well, I think that their legislature should do something about that and take this power back away from the attorney general. So because I don't think those executive orders were meant to write law. And when they start writing law with them, they violate the rights of the citizens of the state in which they're or country. Well, this <laughs> this attorney general is obviously playing partisan politics. Which which attorney general is it? Uh, this is Mr. Mark R. Herring, H E R R I N G, Democrat. He's the sitting current attorney general. Now. Um, William J. Howell, who is the Virginia House Speaker, said, Unfortunately, I have little doubt as to his true motivations. And then uh, Delegate Robert Bell III is a former prosecutor and is declared uh, a challenge to the sitting Attorney General for 2017. He said, This is another Washington-style overreach from a nakedly partisan Attorney General. Instead of doing the job he was elected to do, Mark Herring continues to put the political goals of his liberal supporters ahead of his sound legal judgment. It's very interesting to me because I, I see this as being the, the tact now because the gun control advocates have realized that they cannot do anything through the legislature or through Congress, and so now they are turning to doing it by fiat, by doing it by executive order, by doing it by order of the attorney general and taking away our rights where we have no recourse. So he became the attorney general in June of 2013, and apparently only one... By like four percent, 
Oh, it was fifty-two oh, to forty-eight. And when when a Democrat wins by four percent, they call that a mandate. And when a Republican wins by four percent, they call it a lame duck. And when a Libertarian call, wins by four percent, they call it a unicorn. A unicorn. Wow. Okay. Well, the truth is is that libertarians don't win elections right now, and that's a lot of that is because of ballot access, which is something that I've been struggling with and, and learning about over the last few weeks, which is really terrifying, the, the leaps and hoops that someone has to go through to just be on the ballot. Did you know that in Georgia, uh, most counties, you have to collect somewhere between th- uh, two and 6,000 signatures to have a write-in campaign that gets counted? Your write-in vote doesn't count unless you get 6,000 signatures to put you on the non-on-the-ballot ballot. Georgia has the crummiest ballot access of a state that I've ever seen. Well, to be fair, Especially, you probably haven't looked at all of them. But. I've looked at a few, and, and for the Libertarian Party to have to pay to be on the ballot is ridiculous. They're like, well, if you um, aren't backed by a party, then we need to make money off of you. Yeah, for sure. Well, everything comes down to money and, and kickbacks and graft. and I mean, that's just politics as usual, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. really where it comes down. The rubber meets the road is you got to pay the, the commissioner's friend for this or you got to pay for, for that license or that fee. Licenses are just the government stealing your rights and selling them back to you. Well, tax is nothing but the government reaching into your paycheck and stealing some of your money before you even get it. I mean, I, I agree. It, taxation's not fair. I mean, I didn't tell them they could take that money. They take it, and if they if I don't let them take it, then they jail me for not letting them take it. Yeah, but your elected representatives are doing your will, like passing that trillion dollar budget. Oh yeah, that's that was my will, along with all the gun control. Yeah, I, I want all that. Give me more. Well, grief. If, if they don't do that, then you can't get your Obama phone. I don't want an Obama phone. In fact, I'd, I'd rather have freedom than an Obama phone. You know what? I think that everybody with an Obama phone and welfare, unless they're disabled, should be told that if they don't get a, a job in the next two months, they're going to get cut off on all of it. Well, that's a great way to get the riot started. Because more than 50% of Americans are They won't burn down the welfare office, I can guarantee that. Yeah, you say that, but then you get the riots in Ferguson and Baltimore, and they burned down their only dominoes. But I mean, they didn't burn down the welfare office. Check. That's because they don't have a welfare office right there. The, they would burn it down in a heartbeat. The you people think, who, why do you think the welfare office is in the good part of town? Because the people who work there don't want to have to drive to the bad part of town? It's always on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard or whatever. Well... Anyway, we were talking about reciprocity, and you, you know, we, uh, the state of Virginia is cutting off a whole bunch of reciprocity to 25 other states. They say that they're not going to recognize them for safety of their citizens. They want their citizens to, to recognize the high standards of, of carrying a firearm. And there was a quote in the article that I was looking at that I think is particularly um, poignant. Now, let's 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 be real about this. There are impeccably high standards of violating people's rights. Did you know that if you've been convicted of a DUI in, in Virginia, you cannot get their concealed carry permit? carry permit? Yeah, there's 20 different prohibitions. I mean, it's absolutely insane. Here's, here's what Herring said. Virginia and nearly every other state in the country have recognized that carrying a concealed handgun is a significant responsibility that should be extended only to those who have gone through a process to prove a level of competency and responsibility. So let me 
take take this and turn it into what it's really saying. The Second Amendment should be afforded only to those that the Democrats deem allowable to have a, a firearm. I think that that is a very good interpretation. Because it's not what the legislature is saying. It's not what the people are saying. It's This is just one elected official that has suddenly taken 25 states off. And you want to know which states that he's specifically taken off? Meanwhile, he supports the right for everyone to get married. Yeah. But not for everyone to have a gun. You, you know that this is the, the attorney general who refused to fight for the state's uh, same-sex marriage ban Why do you think Congress. I brought that up? Yeah. The states that he are, is specifically kicking off the list, I'm not going to read all 25 One of them. One of them is Georgia? Uh, actually, no. Uh, he, Georgia's not on here because Georgia, I guess, doesn't have reciprocity. With, we did not have reciprocity. I was, I was wondering. I didn't think we had reciprocity. Um, Alaska. we don't have a... Florida, Minnesota, uh, the Carolinas, Wisconsin, Washington, Wait, Tennessee. North and South Carolina? Yep. In your face, South Carolina. This is what you get for not having reciprocity with Georgia. Yeah. So, I mean, tons, tons of states and states that are good, strong, you know, Republican bastions have been knocked off for political reasons, I think. Uh, agreements will remain with the following states. West Virginia, Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and Utah. So they're telling us that they would rather have some gun-toting West Virginians bring guns into the state of Virginia. You know why? Because they're so close and they've got so much economic back and forth. Mostly hunting. People go to West Virginia to hunt or, or into Virginia to hunt on family land pay for hunting licenses and it would cost the state money. Oh, let's talk about the cost of the state money because the end of the Washington Post article says visitors to Virginia can still obtain a non-resident permit if they meet the standards for the law for residents, which means that if you want to pay Virginia money, you can get a permit for Virginia and still be good there. Right, and that non-resident permit would also make you good in any state that has reciprocity with Virginia. Right. But there's 25 fewer of them, so that non-resident just became worth a lot less. Right. And while I was looking at one time about getting a Virginia non-resident, mm-hmm. now I'm thinking that it's not going to be worth the money to do. Well, you know, the flip side may be you should get a Utah. Utah has still recognized by Virginia and most everywhere else. Well, it's a matter of finding somebody that teaches a Utah class. I mean, I guess I could... Look it up. There's got to be someone. I mean, you used to teach I used to class. teach it. And I'll tell you why I don't anymore. And it, it, there's a very good reason. When I because first, Utah got greedy about what you had to do to renew to be an instructor, right? When I first started teaching the class, they had some minimum standards. And what they said was that you had to teach a, a safety course which covered the basics of firearm safety. That was what their standard was. And so basically I taught an NRA pistol course without live fire, and it was good, and people got their permits. Then they came back and they said, well, no, you've got to teach teach this, this, and this, and they gave me like 15 talking points to teach. And it wasn't that bad. I could do the whole class in about two and a half hours, and I would teach the class. Then they said that we had to include Utah law. Well, okay, now it's starting to get complicated. If you're not a lawyer, how are you going to explain Utah law? So I taught a class, and, and in my class, I covered a firearm safety. I covered Utah laws and how they differed from Georgia law, so that would be useful for the people who are getting non-residents from here. Then they said that you had to start doing uh, these specific Utah laws and their ramifications and use of deadly force. Now the class was up to about six hours. 
So I kept trudging through it and trying to do the best I could with it and keep the people interested. But six hours of class is getting to be kind of a lot. Then they expanded again what all you had to, to teach, and they changed the renewal requirement for instructors, saying that the instructor had to go take a, a new renewal class every time his permit came up for renewal. And I was like, well, shoot, where are we going to find someone to teach the renewal class? And lo and behold, the only place you can get the renewal class is in Salt Lake City. So now, not only did I have to teach what was rapidly becoming a 12-hour class to get this thing, but I would have to go to Salt Lake City every three years and renew my permit in person and take their class. And when I I thought, well, okay, we'll just let it ride, and I'll renew it maybe when I'm going through. So uh, when I was coming back from Alaska, I contacted him. I was like, well, you know, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be coming through Salt Lake. I'd like to register for the class. And they said it was this was in 2013 that I was coming back. They said, oh, um, well, we're booked up until late 2015. Wow. So you need, at that time, you, you need a two-year run time to get into the class on a three-year renewal basis. So basically, when you went out there and renewed, you need to sign up for the class again. It's insane. Yeah, and it just got worse and worse. And this is the problem with having required mandatory training because it starts out simple. Utah's required training was the most common sense training you could have on the face of the earth. It was cheap. It was to the point. It was able. You could get it from an NRA instructor. You could get it from a Utah instructor. You could get it from a police officer. You could get it anywhere. You just send it in. So, folks, we're at a commercial break, and we will be right back. Back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about non-resident permits and training. And I was telling you that Utah's permit was, at the beginning, it was geniusly simple, right? You could get the class from just about anywhere, and the requirements were very simple. It didn't cost hardly anything. It was very well run, and it was a beautiful thing. But every time the legislature came back and readdressed the program, they added more things that you needed to do, until finally the class was stretching into two days long, that you had to get your, in order to be an instructor, you had to go take classes in Salt Lake City. It became a, a money and tourism fiasco. But you didn't want to go take classes in Salt Lake City? I mean, don't you, like, love to visit different religions and find out about them? That would be an opportunity to learn interactively about the Mormons. Well, the problem is is that it would drive the price of my classes up because I'd have to pay for hotel accommodations. I'd have to pay for air transport out there and do work it into my, my actual busy full-time job schedule on See, top of that. that's the whole point, is these things are made to deter people from carrying. Yes. So the whole point they have in saying, well... You've got to have this certificate or that certificate, this train class, and you can't have this, this, and this, and this, and you've got to prove to us that you don't have this, this, and this, and this. Instead of saying, Shall we have not to be prove infringed. that you have, you have them, they say, you have to prove to us you don't, so you're already guilty until proven innocent. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes a real big hassle. In Virginia, there's a huge long list of the things you can and can't have on your record. 20 to, things. Yeah. And then... You have to go through, you have to contact um, the Highway Patrol's Firearms Transaction Center um, at the Criminal Justice Information Services Division in Richmond. You have to request a packet. In this packet is where you fingerprint yourself, you take a two-by-two picture of yourself, you send them all of these things. 
and then a hundred dollars on top and there's a huge list of like 20 items you have to send but you know the basics are a copy of your current weapon carry license from your state money order for a hundred bucks your driver's license a certificate where you've completed a safety course um, proof of your current residential address uh, your application fee is a hundred dollars um, that's just for the application fee not including the class an information check documentation of competence with a handgun i guess that's, that's your, your class. class but there's a, a list of things they want you to do along with filling out an application now it's not a, a big long two-day course but it is a little bit of hoops to jump through to be reciprocal with what four other states now well there's there's probably a few more than that but yeah it, it looks like they've dropped a significant portion of their reciprocity in order to and it doesn't affect me it doesn't affect you it affects people who live there and people who want to visit there why why would why would the government of a state want to put up barricades for people law-abiding citizens mind you who like to go there because they want to be able to charge more money for people that want to go there no, from other states. It's not going to be want. It's going to be people who are forced to go there at that point. They also, well, you know, I want to go there and visit family there. I'm not as likely to because I can't carry my firearm. I'll have to pay to get a Virginia non-resident to be able to carry my firearm. Or, or Utah. And Well, or Utah. And even then, where you can and can't carry in Virginia is tricky. Because they have a big long list of places that are off limits. So, I mean, it's it's a lot of research to try to carry into another state. It, it turns into kind of a headache. Well, you look at the laws here in Georgia and how complicated they are. And there are people who spend most of their lives, it seems like, on, on places like georgiapacking.org trying to figure out the law and explain the law and argue the law and arguing the nuances of the law and whether you can carry in the car line or into the building and how many glocks can dance on the head of a pin. But in the end of it, you know, there there is so many complications and so many different avenues that these laws take just in our state. Now, when you start traveling, you have to be cognizant of the laws in every state. And you kind of start to think, you know, th- this is not the way we would run the the transit system. I mean, you wouldn't have it so that in one state the laws were listed or the speeds were listed in miles per hour and another state in kilometers an hour and another state in, you know, hogsheads uh, to the barrel. You would have it all a uniform system that could be easily understood. And if your driver's license in Georgia was, you know, not accepted suddenly in Virginia, can you imagine the outcry? Now, here's the funny thing. The differences in our laws is crazy. Virginia really has come a long way. In Virginia, it's illegal to carry a handgun if you're under the influence of alcohol or in a bar or restaurant or on private property when prohibited by the owner. So that sign that says no guns means no guns. It, it carries means the means you go to jail is yes. what it means. Any place of worship while meeting for religious purposes is being held. These are Jim Crow laws. Yeah. Once um, that GeorgiaCarry.org has ended in Georgia. A courthouse school property, there's exemptions to the statue, including a person who has a valid concealed handgun permit and possesses a concealed handgun while in a motor vehicle in a parking lot or the traffic circle or other means of vehicular ingress or egress to the school. So you can go pick your kid up. That that is the NRA language. NRA had been pushing all across the United States to have parking lots okay. And Georgia, that made no sense. In fact, that was one of the original fights was between GeorgiaCarry.org trying to pass a meaningful law 
and the NRA's parking lot bill before the NRA started to actually pay attention to what was going on in each individual state because they wanted a uniform law across the U.S. even when it made no sense compared to the local laws. They also have a prohibition of carrying a weapon in an air carrier airport terminal, which means that the man that went into the airport down in Hartsfield, Hartsfield with a was AR fifteen or AK forty seven he had, according to Mom's demand action, it was a AR forty seven or AK fifteen. Um, he would have been arrested, charged, and, and prosecuted for a misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. So. They make these laws or these misdemeanors so that you don't get a PC bond hearing or have an opportunity to fight them. It becomes a, a way to railroad the client then when they've been charged with gun well, things. Well, there's a lot less going on in a misdemeanor. I mean, you have to think about with a felony, you have to have unanimous 12 people go for a conviction, where the misdemeanor, you only have six. So right there, there's six extra people the prosecution does not have to convince. And that's a big deal. When I'm a prosecutor and I'm trying to convince a group of people, the smaller the group, the better off I am. As a defense attorney, I want as many people looking at it as possible because I only need one. And one out of 12 is better odds than one out of six. So how many states did you say they took off? 25. Okay, well, it says that... Of course, this has not been updated. It says the Virginia non-resident permit is available to U.S. citizens in all 50 states and allows you to carry concealed in the following 28 states. So it took all but three, all but three. All the, off the list. And that list was originally Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Mexico, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. They left Virginia, West Virginia, and what else on there? Um, the, the list I have... Um I think they left Virginia, West Virginia, and Tennessee on there. Give me, give me just a second. I, I, I've got the exhaustive list according to the Washington Post here. The, the agreements remain with West Virginia, Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and Utah. Okay, well, Michigan's not even listed on this, and this is the VirginiaConcealed.com, which is the state of Virginia's concealed carry information portal. Oh. So I think maybe the Washington Post may be a little confused about where... Virginia allows people to have reciprocal carry. But it's sad that they're trying to take away people's rights. This is a a liberal nut job that wants to take away people's gun rights, and it's just pathetic. Well... This is what happens when you have people elected to office who are not going to be held accountable. Folks, we're coming up on a commercial break, so we will be back in just one moment. Back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So when we took the commercial break, we were talking a little bit about uh, the legislature and what the legislature needs to be doing to be more responsive to us because there are too many people who are in elected positions who are not responsive to the will of the people. Now we're getting ready to hit the 2015-2016 legislature. It's coming up, what, the very beginning of January? Yeah, we need to talk a little bit about the way the legislature in Georgia works because it's very different than Congress. Uh, well, the way the legislature works here is is they introduce a bill and it can sit on that 
uh, legislature for two years. Yeah, basically we have uh, our legislative year runs two years to one session. So if something is introduced in 2015, it can last all the way to the end of 2016. If something introduced in 2016, it lasts all the way to the end of 2016. So it's not that it every bill gets a two-year lifespan. It's just that there's a two-year session and bills introduced in the first session carry over to the second session in the following year. So there are a lot of bills that are coming up in this year that were introduced last year that we discussed at length during last year's session. But there will be new bills this year that are getting their first hearing and they're going to be rushed through because if they are not voted on by the end of this session, they're dead. Right? Right. But if we get a new session then at 2017, it'll be the 2017-2018. So what's introduced 2018 has to make it by the end of session 2018. Correct. But what makes it in the beginning of the session for 2017 could stay till the end of session 2018. It's so, a little confusing. So we, we see some some holdover bills this upcoming session, like Dexter Sharper's um, uh, bill about tr- mandatory training, and that we discussed that at length last year. In fact, we interviewed Dexter tar- Sharper on and air. At that point, he um, was for farming people who had their permit and no training. But then um, had not received any training the, himself. He, he was offered training by my lovely husband and has still we, not we still contacted us. Still haven't hooked up on that so one. Looking either. forward to hearing from you, Mr. Sharper. If you'd like that training, if not, you should, according to your own standards, probably be leaving your gun at home. But <laughs> that's beside the point. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, I mean, there's some holdover bills that we still have that we still need to fight. And then there's some new stuff that's going to be introduced. And, and there's stuff that's being introduced in the House and in the Senate. There's a lot of talk, again, about campus carry. I think that campus carry was legally passed a couple of years ago and that this is absolutely a dead issue and that we've got upcoming litigation that's going to clarify the legislation and make all of this moot. But um, in the end... Well, well, you know, we were talking a few minutes ago about politicians that don't do the, the will of their constituents. And here we have a law that was passed that Governor Nathan Deal refuses to put on the books. Well, Even at the point where he was sued over it, still refuses to put it on the books. So folks, we're just going to have to pass it again. Folks, you know, the end of this is, you know, as we discussed a couple, <coughs> a couple weeks ago, we're going to have to fight it. <coughs> we're going to have to fight it in the legislature. We have to fight it in the courts. But the law is the law. And I don't have anything more to say about that, that ongoing case until we win it. And I am very confident we will win it. But that's, that's neither here nor there at this point. You know, there's, there's a lot of back and forth on campus carry. It's the law. It's the law in Georgia, whether anyone wants to admit it or not. And this case is going to prove it. So there are some other things that are coming up, things that I think are, are pretty dang scary and some things that are pretty good. And some things that are a combination of both that that are going to be heard this year. Well, it would appeal th- appear that they're still trying to do something with the zero tolerance policies. Yeah, and I, I thought that that was already cleared up, but well, apparently it's still not. Well, here's here's the argument: is that because campus carry was included in that, and they're ignoring campus carry, they're kind of ignoring that entire bill. So they got to go back and repass the law because no one will notice the laws there. Oh, yeah, that's that's the argument. So they're ignoring the whole law. Well, they're saying the entire law was preempted. The entire law was not preempted. There is no clash of opinions. You can have peanut butter and jelly. It doesn't have to be peanut butter or jelly, people. Truer words were never spoken. Who wants a peanut butter by itself sandwich? Can dry, old, nasty, stick to your roof of your mouth. 
My daughter. Yeah, she loves those, but the, she's four. Well, she's five, and she believes McDonald's is a five-star restaurant. So, well, yeah, and and <laughs> some of the plain white bread politicians think the, kind of the same way when it comes to our laws, and that's the problem. Is we need to have nuanced laws that take into consideration the way that different people live and, and our lifestyles and our differences of opportunity. And I think that a lot of these training bills fail to consider what the burden is going to be. And that's you know where we started with all of this was reciprocity and training and I the burdens it creates. We have politicians and lawmakers that do not really comprehend scope. So they see uh, a law and they go, hey, that's a pretty good idea. But they don't look long term down the road how that could affect people that it's not meant to affect or even how it could clash with another law. They don't see how these things interplay to cause more problems than they cause solutions. And and there are some people who are bringing their, their biases and prejudices to the floor without really thinking about it. You know? Democrat. I, well, Republicans, too. Republicans, well, Republicans too. are pretty bad, yeah. You know, tra- people who live in trailer houses are drug dealers. That is a Bartow County ordinance that's been passed requiring that there be a 512 roof pitch on any mobile home that's put in the county and it's to target one single mobile home park i've I've talked to our our county commissioner saying sole commissioner by the way not board who who is a republican not a a republican and and also a rich boy that was born with silver spoon in his mouth and he's against putting any mobile homes in the whole county because there's a trailer park that's got some crime issues in the southern part of the county so he's decided to punish everyone because he doesn't like those criminals the reality is he's trying to run poor people out of the county it has nothing to do with criminals so no matter which end you're looking at republican or democrat there are biases that come into play in different ways that they're not looking at the whole misconceptions the, what what the consequences are and what freedom means you know well i'm looking at some of the bills that are that are pending i'm looking at senate bill 73 Senate Bill 73 would strike the provision of House Bill 60 that allows law-abiding citizens with a valid GWL to avoid harassment from law enforcement personnel simply because the officer has seen a firearm being carried. So what this is is allows for uh, detention of someone to investigate whether they have a Georgia weapons license or not. We already handled this before, and they're not allowed. According to current Georgia law, they're not allowed to detain you and ask you if you have a weapons carry license. Absolutely, but they want to overturn that current law with a new law. And that's what this bill does. It removes the current law. So we're going to do this every other year? Flip it back and forth, yeah. That's a scary one. Yeah, that's scary because then they'll detain you. And by detain, we're not talking about a necessarily short detention. Okay, well, let's talk. When we're talking about detentions, let's talk about Senate Bill 161. This bill would require, not allow, require the expulsion of a student who is found to have possessed a firearm on school for a period of not less than one year. Now, there's your zero tolerance being enacted as state law. But they are trying to get rid of the zero tolerance and then change it. Well, when you have you have one group of people who are trying to who are working towards freedom, and when the freedom passes, the people who want strict controls and government oversight and to, and to micromanage other people's lives come in and try to pass the laws back. Now, let's be real. Hitler took guns away from the people he was trying to control. In fact, there's no such thing as a great dictator without gun control first. Yeah. Um, How about Senate Bill 67? 
This bill would strike the provisions of House Bill 60 that allows law-abiding citizens with a valid Georgia weapons license to defend themselves in public buildings that do not have screening by the government. In other words, this would put government buildings back on the list. So we're making progress, and they're trying to take it away. Every every time we do anything, there's someone who's trying to pass a bill to take it away. And this is why we cannot sleep. We cannot stop. You know, we say, oh, we got what we wanted. Well, it's not time to relax. We may rejoice right now, but we have to continue our fight. So GeorgiaCarry.org is more important than it ever was in this session because it's going to make sure that the laws that have been changed to give us rights are kept that way. Um, Senate Bill 49 uh, removes Stand Your Ground, which has been a part of Georgia law since before the United States was founded. We have no duty to retreat in Georgia, nor have we ever. They want to make it to where you have a duty to retreat before you're allowed to use deadly force. You know, I was reading an article, and I put up on my law office Facebook page about whether or not hand shot first and whether it was legal. And one of the first things the lawyer who was analyzing that said was that his back was against the wall. He had retreated as far as he could. And instantly, I knew that this lawyer was from New York or from California. He was definitely not from Georgia. Yeah, because we don't have to prove that you retreated till your back was against The, the wall. The thing of it is, is once I've retreated into my home... And somebody comes into my home, I believe that's as far as I've got to retreat. You don't have to retreat at all. You can be standing in the Kroger parking lot. If your life is threatened, you can shoot them without having to move a foot. I'm talking about if someone, a home invasion, okay, they break into my home trying to kill me. I don't think I should have to retreat from them at all. I think I should be able to blow them away in my living room and not even worry about it. Yeah, well, the problem is when you say that is people think, just like they think, okay, so picking up or dropping off means only in your car. No duty to retreat means only in your home. It doesn't. There's no duty to retreat anywhere in Georgia. There should be no duty to retreat anywhere in Georgia. Well, there isn't. I mean, <laughs> but now they're trying to change that. That's because they don't have any foresight. They don't care about our freedoms or our safeties. It's about personal safety here when it comes to the no duty to retreat. And I should be allowed to stand my ground and pop a cap and whoever is trying to harm me or my family without fear of prosecution. Well, I don't think that when we talk about duty to retreat, when we're talking breach of a duty, and you know this as well as anybody, we're not really talking criminal. What are we talking? Civil. There you go. And creating a duty to retreat is going to make it so that you can get sued for what you're doing. Folks, we're at a commercial break. We will be right back. Back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So when we took the break, we were talking about no duty to retreat. And the problem with having a duty and breach of a duty is we're no longer talking criminal. We're talking civil. And by creating a duty to retreat, well, that may or may not impact your criminal case. But I can guarantee you that it's going to cause a civil cause of action where the person who broke into your home is going to start suing you and your homeowner's insurance for them breaking in and them getting shot. And that's where that happens with the duty to retreat. Those lawsuits where someone got shot in the home breaking in or someone who and it, gets, it gets really weird when they they're breaking into your home and they get injured breaking in and then they sue because that it was a a, a dangerous um uh, a, a known danger in the home that they were injured by and they're trying to sue under homeowners insurance because they were injured and in breaking in 
I've seen those yeah. too. So let's let's break this down into layman's terms. You're driving along and you stop at the red light, and the guy behind you, playing on his iPhone, does not stop at the red light and slams into your rear end. He's rear-ended you. This is a known fault accident. We know exactly who's at fault. You were just sitting there and you had done your duty by stopping at the red light, but and who he breached did not. The duty? He breached his duty, A, by playing on his phone, which is illegal in Georgia, and B, by not stopping at the red light, thus by injuring you. And which, so you which is, he was following too close, which is another following too law. closely. He's breached his duty. So you have two criminal things here, which would be the following too closely and the playing on the phone while driving, that he could be ticketed for. But, but he can also be sued civilly. Civilly, he would be sued, and you could get a settlement out of his insurance company. Because he had breached the, his duty of care. Right, because he breached his duty of care in failing to obey the law. So if this law was passed, then any criminal that broke into your house and, and was oh. injured by you defending yourself, oh, well, whether you shoot him or beat him in the head with a baseball bat you had a duty to retreat therefore they have a, a right then to sue you yep and that, that's not right no this is horrible this is this is probably you know i can i can at least understand changing the laws about who gets a carry permit i can understand changing the laws about who buys a firearm i can't understand any idea that would give a cause of action to a criminal to sue someone who is defending themselves this is absolutely the most horrid law that has been proposed in this legislature and this is the legislature taking away your right to defend yourself well it's more Pure than and that simple. it's the legislature using fear of losing everything you have to take away the right to defend yourself they are pitting the your right to defend yourself against all of your assets and so you have to consider would it be better for me to get killed by this robber and them to take off with with my you know $5,000 worth of stuff I have in the house? Or would it be better for the robber, for me to kill the robber and his family, sue me for the $5,000 worth of stuff I have in this house? Or the family sue me for the $250,000 house, the $16,000 car, my $80,000 401k, and leave nothing for my children? Because that's where the lawsuit's going to go. It's not going to be the five grand in the house. No. You may be worth more dead than alive if this bill were to pass. No kidding. And that's a scary prospect. So what do we do to stop bills like this? We stand up to our legislators and say, we will not stand for being regulated in such a way. We will not go quietly into the night. We will not go down without a fight. And the important thing is having backing, because one person with one voice saying one thing may not be able to be heard over the crowd. Unless you got 10,000 watts on 1160 AM. Well, this is true. But but you can have 10,000 voices strong by joining georgiacarry.org. Um, with georgiacarry.org, you get the, the latest information about legislature and who you need to call to tell them that you support or you do not support the bill that's being talked about in the Senate or the House at that time. Uh, you can also stay up to date with all the the latest news. You, of course, you get unlimited access to us, but you also get georgiacarry.org many newsletters and newsletters. You can be involved in their yearly raffles they do to to raise money. They raffle off some really nice firearms. You know what they need to raffle off? You know what I think it's time to put in the raffle bin for people to to raffle for? 
a tank. tank. No, no, no. I th- even better than that. I think what if, I would love I think, to have a tank. I, I would put I would put down some serious cash to buy some raffle tickets for the most famous gun in Georgia. Huh, Jerry Henry's gun? Why not? He's not going to let you have his gun. Well, you could put it up for a raffle. I bet. I bet they could raise a million dollars off that raffle. I'm telling you that he would be more likely to probably give you his wife than that gun. <laughs> I, I think he's likely to give me the bullets one at a time for suggesting it. Yeah. But. And it is the most recognizable gun in Georgia. We've seen it on a lot of different news sources. And, yeah, I look at the website and I go, oh, look, there's Jerry Henry's gun. <laughs> I'll go on CNN or Al Jazeera and I go, oh, look, there's Jerry Henry's gun. They use it as the opening scene anytime they're getting ready to, um, the, you know, the little slide they show. Yep. They use it anytime they're getting ready to interview him. But So what are some other ways you can join besides going to the website? You can go to our, our local chapter meetings, and you can find those chapters online, um, on Facebook. You can go to the local chapter meetings, get to know some people, join georgiacarry.org. Eat meet some, Mark Gilbert. Eat some barbecue, usually, or, or some salads down at the U.S. Grill. Cafe. Is it the U.S. Cafe? Um, you can also go to local gun shows. Or local festivals. I know that they do. Um, what is that festival in, in Big Kennesaw? Shanty. Big, big shanty festival every year. They do other festivals too, along with that country music festival that happens over Shaken Boots. Is it Shaken Boots? Yeah, I, I didn't get to go to Shaken Boots. I think I had just had, I had a boot on at that point. It was an ankle boot from having an ankle yeah. surgery. Yeah, I was shaking in my boots that that week, but. You can join at any local festivals, and it's only $20. $20 gets you to be one of the voices of the, of the biggest gun advocacy groups in Georgia. The most effective gun advocacy group in Georgia. In fact, the most effective grassroots organization that Georgia has ever seen. And that is the God's honest truth about GeorgiaCarry.org. That is grassroots. It is not AstroTurf. This isn't something that Bernie Sanders could cook up in his wildest dreams. And, and I don't know why that man won't call us back. We keep trying to get him on the show. I mean, we figured you know, he would be. when I called to try to get him on the show, because I was interested in talking to crazy Bernie. I mean, who doesn't, Feel the burn. Who doesn't want to talk to crazy Uncle Bernie, right? Mm-hmm. Between him and Hillary Clinton, there's some senility bouncing back and forth. I'm just saying. Uh, his intern was really scared, almost like I could shoot him through the phone when I told him. I was, <laughs> All the way up there in Vermont. Oh, when I told him I was with a Second Second Amendment rights group, he he kind of shaken in his voice. But yeah. if you're listening to us on the radio, that's great. Woo-hoo. If you're listening to us online, it's still great, but you can listen to us on the radio. If you'll look, contact your local radio station and tell them that you enjoy GeorgiaCarry.org radio and you would like to have it on your local station. You can even sing it to them. Whoa, on the radio. Oh, Doug. Keep your day job. I try. So what you do is you contact your local radio station, let you them know you're bomb, interested. You shouldn't have bought me that karaoke machine. It's not for you. It's for the kids. <laughs> anyway, when you contact your local radio station, you tell them you want to uh, listen to our show on their, sh- on their station. Then you send us an email at radio at org. We'd be glad to contact them for you and to get the, this radio show syndicated into your local area. Just just like every week, we'll do the hard work for you. Just let us know where to send it to, and we will get it done. And anytime you want to listen to old archived shows, you can go to georgiacarry.org, click on Radio tab on the left-hand side, and listen to every show we have made. Now, folks, you know, there's some important things that we need to do as GeorgiaCarry.org members. And one of the things is to have local outreach and reach out to other members of our community. And I've had an opportunity this week to, to talk to some people who are 
supporters of the show, who are our fans of the show, who believe in what we're doing in GeorgiaCarry.org. And so I'd like to give just a brief shout out to the fight um, elder care center in Cartersville. Yeah, Jesse Rumsey. Um, I'm not sure. I don't believe he's a member yet. I'm working on that. But this is the uh, nursing home that we found for my friend's aunt. And we were able to get her placed. And he, Mr. Rumsey was very, very, very kind. And very excited about the show and about GeorgiaCarry.org. You know, that's something that we don't really think about a lot is, you know, we, we think, okay, go to the gun show, you're going to see GeorgiaCarry.org. Go to a gun store, you're going to hear about GeorgiaCarry.org. Go to your barber who's talking about GeorgiaCarry.org. What about your elder care home or your hospital or your doctor's office? Do you talk about GeorgiaCarry.org? Probably not because you're afraid your doctor is going to turn you into Obamacare. But the truth is, is that these are places we can't just hang out at the gun store and talk to the people at the gun store about Georgia carry there isn't a person in the gun store anymore who doesn't know who georgiacarry.org is right i mean there isn't a person in the legislature who doesn't know what georgiacarry.org is but if we're going to be bigger than this we need to branch out beyond the legislature beyond the gun store and start talking to the elder care home and start talking to the barber shop every time i see somebody carrying i say hey do you know about georgiacarry.org and when they say no to me i go into the sales pitch it's not so much of a sales pitch, but it's a, it's an explanation of, of what who we are and what we do. And it's important to be able to talk about these things to people, even strangers. Because a stranger today could be a friend tomorrow and could be a Georgia Carey supporter. And this is the way that we're going to make this organization huge. Folks, we are at the end of our show. We hope that you enjoyed this and had a great uh, th- a holiday with New Year's and Christmas. And I hope that this upcoming year is good for you and your family. Get out and enjoy the day. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.